One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, everybody, I'm Kim Holderness. And I'm Penn Holderness, and you are listening to the Holderness Family Podcast. You guys, we have a back-to-school pep talk with our favorite parenting coach, Dr. Hope Seidel. And this is a pep talk for parents, okay? Kids, they know what they're doing. Parents, we need to have a talk. Yeah, and she, listen, every time we talk to her, we have a different problem. And it's because, <laughs> it's because our kids are, they're differenting. They're differenting. Yeah, we're adulting, they're differenting. And, and she is an expert in all of it as not only a, a very qualified licensed doctor, but also a parent herself. And okay, before we get into it, and we, you guys had some great Instagram questions for her, so stay tuned for that. Before we get into it, we have housekeeping. Friends, we are so excited to announce that we partnered with Selkirk for, get this, our very own line of pickleball paddles. Yes. And they are out today. So I'm pretty pumped about this, obviously. I know you are too. Yes. But And so Kim, Kim's, a, Kim's a joiner. She joined pickleball. She stuck with it for the last couple of years. She's really enjoyed pickleball. But I'm still very beginner. Yeah. So I, to be clear, I'm still very much a beginner. But you like it. You like yes. the culture. You like the vibe. Yes. So I, I've become, I, I go from joiner to how do I win at this thing? Like pretty quickly. Yeah. And a long, long time ago, I was introduced to Selkirk Paddles. Yes. They are, listen, you guys, they are... They're really good paddles. And they've gone from having just like the super expert paddles to paddles for every single level, like beginners, intermediate, and advanced. And we've I've I've gone to watch pickleball tournaments. I've seen them on television. And Selkirk is they're kind of like the Nike mm-hmm. of pickleball. And, so it's so cool that they reached out to us. And I have to say I am a beginner, but the paddles make a difference. In the beginning, I was playing off of ones. You know, they're great. You know, you get them off Amazon. They're fine. Yeah. And then I, I put a Selkirk paddle in my hand. I was like, oh, okay. So anyway, so check it out. Check out our website, holdernessfamily.com. There'll be inf- uh, info on how to purchase. They're like bright and colorful and there's three different types. Anyway, uh, also housekeeping, we've loved getting all your photos and messages, seeing our game family face off in the wild and Target. So please keep sending them. And if you did purchase it, can you just give us some feedback? We love it. But it is so cool in on Instagram and on Facebook. And um, people have even emailed us pictures. Just seeing it on the shelf all across right. the country, it just makes my little heart so happy. And there's a good chance you're going to be in Target in the next couple of weeks because 
that is a pretty good place to go if you're buying school supplies <laughs> when you're going back to school. This, this is the best babe. segue I've ever done in my entire life. And as you go back to school, you may have some other questions about not necessarily the emotionally well-being of your children, but your own emotional well-being, Kim. Okay, so we're going to be talking <laughs> with Dr. Hope Seidel. She's been practicing medicine for over 20 years. She's a pediatrician, a mom, and a life and parenting coach. While Dr. Hope was caring for patients, moms and dads would ask her all the time for parenting advice. And so she now runs a one-on-one -on -one parent coach company called Parent with Hope. She's been featured on Good Morning America and lots of other publications. And when she isn't working, she's a reluctant runner, <laughs> loves to cook and travel. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to imagine like what a reluctant runner looks she's like. She's just pissed. The whole time <laughs> like I can't running. believe I'm doing this crap. I know. But then she's like fast and does it anyway. In great shape. So uh, we, we asked her. Uh, a lot of your questions, a lot of our own. And it, as always, it just made me, she gave such good practical advice on how to show up for our kids. Welcome, Dr. Seidel, Dr. Hope. Hope, what are we calling you today? What are you in the mood for? I'm kind of in the mood for like a little Dr. Hope tonight. Let's Dr. go, Dr. Hope. Hope. Let's go, Dr. Hope. I love it. it, Dr. Hope. Well, you're one of our very favorite guests because you just give such good practical advice topical topical and i feel topical. like the words you say they do i i go back to them and i quote them and then i'll give that advice to somebody and they think i'm really smart but really it's from you take credit love it yes and but right now the season we're in as parents and so many are is we're sending kiddos back to school back to college and the kids, in most cases, have their stuff together. I think the as parents, we need to prep just as much as the kids. So today, you're going to help us get ready to go back to school. Let's go. Let's go. So let's start with this. You have told us many times, personally and on this podcast, that you need to, to let your child fail sometimes, because that's the only way that they learn anything. My daughter's a junior in high school, and if not even fail... If you get a B on something, it like eliminates your options when it comes to college. I know that, that this is not a healthy world that we live in, but it is the world that we live in. And it makes it more difficult to delineate motivating and setting them up for success and letting them fail. Are you hearing a lot of this from your high school juniors? Well, I hear a lot of it from the parents I coach. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think you really expressed it well, Penn, which is like, this is the world we live in and we're choosing to stay in it, I think is a better way to say it. Like mm -hmm. just accepting that that's the way it is and then putting our kids in that as part of our problem as a society in general, like we get to choose that a B is not a problem anytime we want. We just have to own that we're not choosing that, right? Eliminating our chances to get into a certain college we start to catastrophize that it means that we're going to eliminate our chances in life, which both of you know as adults is not true. <laughs> yeah. But we leave, we believe that story. And, you know, I think we just have to decide what's most important to us as parents. Like, what are we trying to teach our kids? I think about it kind of kind of like, for me, self-efficacy is the highest priority in my parenting, right? And self-efficacy is a belief in yourself that you can complete a task or reach a goal and manage a situation and see the success of your work, right? And that is a skill you earn, like wisdom is. It's a skill that you learn. And failure is part of that. 
Mm-hmm. It's not that I value, I think pain and failure is so amazing necessarily, but like we can't get where we want to go without that. And so trying to prevent that or make it seem like the A is the destination or the goal is just cheating our kids out of the very most important skill set they need to be successful in life, which is to know that not everything is going to come easy all the time. You gave such brilliant advice when we were going through something, you know, you, you can't raise humans without them experiencing some disappointment. And you had you had offered up the advice of like, look for the perfect in this situation. So the perfect thing in this situation is, yes, they're disappointed. They don't make the team. They don't, but this this is teaching a resiliency, which we value. And it's one of our like we want our kids to learn how to the, the resiliency of it. So that advice has been so great. <sighs> these kids are still so hard on themselves. And but yet, how can I keep them from failing is really what I was saying. Right, right exactly. Yes. So I, I, I don't, we need to let them go out into the world and we can't wrap them in bubble wrap because I would like to and I've tried, but it doesn't work. So we need them to experience life that includes failures. But then they, at what point, like they've put so much, a, a lot of kids, and we when we went to Instagram and we asked for questions, and, and many were, our kids have such a high expectations of themselves. How can we help lessen that stress? Do we do we lessen that stress? Penn just said exactly like why we're <laughs> participating in that narrative. Yeah. It's like we don't normalize struggle at all, right? We don't normalize struggle as growth producing, right? And we have a very high priority on our kids' outcomes as the metric for deciding that things are successful and for many parents as deciding if we're successful. Right. And that burden is on all of our kids, whether we mean to say it to them or not. You know, adolescents especially have a quite a spidey sense, they can tell. And so, and that's just everywhere in, in all of their friends, depending on the network of people that they communicate with. The truth is, is that's not true for everybody. It's just true for what, I mean, it's just what we're choosing. And, and does that is, answer your question? It, it, it does, totally. And I think that I've evolved, even, even in the last year, I have evolved to appreciate the growth mindset part of it. Like these are the lessons you're going to be such a a more prepared adult because you've gone through this struggle now, but it's, it's hard to, to stay back, to stay back and say like, we're not going to actually participate in that system. And we don't, as, as parents, I think you're right. We say, if you get a B, it's fine. If you get a, like, you're fine if you tried your hardest, but I know internally I'm like, that is going to remove choices but I don't want to sit on this too long because we well, got- I want to sit on some of it. Okay. Because she she just touched on something that and it's it's a sticky thing that she says. When you're looking at success, she's told us that's a you problem, that's not a them problem, right? Like we're we're coming to you with a problem, and a lot of times it's our problem, not theirs. I kind of want to play a game. Is that a me problem or a them problem? We could like play some. We could play some fun music, and I could say, "Okay, my my kid gets a B, and she doesn't. Uh, she doesn't get into the college I thought she was going to get into. That's a me problem. There's still them problems, but there's a lot of me problems. Well, there's often a misalignment with what parents' values are in their home and what they decide is success, right? And so, like, I don't even know what success means, and success means something different to everybody else. Like, what does that even mean when you're like, I want my kid to be successful? Mm-hmm. What like, does I, it mean? I want, you're asking us? Yeah. Or, or, yeah, okay. Well, what does it mean to be successful? Honestly, for me, I would love my kids to achieve a, a sense of 
gratitude, value hard work, and be resilient human beings and content and find contentment in whatever path they choose. So I know there's a thousand different ways to get there. So I feel like I'm pretty cool on that. But maybe literally parent pen last week goes, can I get a session with hope? Does she can she do? Can I do it? So I feel like Penn and I are at different stages of our evolution. Well, well here's, I think my issue is that I have, for, for my, I have two different types of kids. For my highly motivated, wants to be like successful kid, I attach success to me, them attaining their goals. And she's got higher goals. And when I feel, uh, oh boy, I just, okay, she, okay. My daughter's like super, she is like super goal oriented and wonderful and a very hard worker. And so when she doesn't achieve her goals, I feel that in my soul. Right. And so I think I attach my goals to her goals. But when you think about it, like, let me just rephrase that just for fun. Sure. Okay. When you say she doesn't achieve her goals, you've decided that that was the only opportunity in the way you just said. I know. When she hasn't achieved her goal yet is a much more like long game approach to how she's going to get there. It's like I didn't get into medical school the first year I applied. If I just decided, yes, that was sad. But like if I just decided, well, I didn't achieve that goal, then I really wouldn't probably be sitting here. And so anybody who's achieved anything, including you guys, really know that failing towards that is is the only option to doing it well. So yeah, it would be amazing if everything we really wanted to do, we got the first time. But where would the growth be in that? Mm-hmm. None. Mm-hmm. It'd be like, I'm amazing. And then you just walk around thinking that. Your ego would love that. But that's it's, not the way the world works. I, I rational brain, Kim, knows that. But then <laughs> I am so codependent upon yeah. your kid doesn't make the team. They don't or their friends, he, you know, they don't get invited somewhere. There's some social, you know, when the uh, there's a breakup, you like when my kids have <laughs> that pain, I'm going to feel that pain. And that's just like, I that's just a mom heart, I suppose. But yeah, it does. It does hurt a little bit. More on this after these words. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. Opening up to a therapist might feel uncomfortable, cathartic, exhausting, or even exhilarating. But one thing's for certain, if you keep talking or texting with a licensed therapist, you will gain insights and uncover truths that you can only find in therapy. Get those personal breakthroughs and judgment-free support by signing up for Talkspace. 
At Talkspace.com, you can sign up online and get a personalized match with a provider that's right for you, typically within 48 hours. There's no need to commute to appointments, miss time at work, or line up childcare in order to attend sessions. It's mental health care made easy. Talkspace is also affordable and in-network with most major insurers. To celebrate May, Mental Health Awareness Month, and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering every listener of this podcast $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com slash Holderness. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash Holderness to get $80 off your first month with code SPACE80 and to show your support for the show. That's Talkspace.com slash Holderness with code SPACE80. I'm not implying you should change your mind about this, but I just want you to know that it's because you value them getting what they want higher than the obstacle. Mm. And if you saw all those moments as growth producing or resilience producing or uh, ways that they were developing the very things that you just told me you wanted in them, mm-hmm. you would be grateful. If you knew that they were going to fail 10 times to get to their goal, you'd be like, that was number one. Let's go. Yeah. We went to Instagram and we said, you know, do you have questions for Dr. Hope Seidel? And we got so many good ones. I want to ask one here that falls falls in line with what we're talking about. Conversely, so we've talked about uh, there, there's a group of kids that are, you know, very hard on themselves, they're super goal-oriented, but I know for sure there's the other side of this too. So we got a lot of questions about this. How to support an apathetic high schooler knowing they have to eventually own their choices? So you have a high schooler who doesn't want to participate in, in all the things that maybe is forced in this kind of traditional you know, the the clubs and, the, you know, getting good grades and all that stuff is being forced as like your only choice. And so somebody just doesn't want to. Do you let your kid just do that? How do you or do you micromanage? What's the alternative? Then they're doing it for you. Yeah. By the way, I just want to I want to illustrate this really quickly because this is an audio podcast. I love it when we ask Hope a question and she puts both of her hands up in the air. And she's like, what's your problem? And I love that energy. I'm not watching myself, so I couldn't. No, I need that energy. You got like it's like, what do I do like this? Um, Yeah. yeah, You look at me and, and, and you know it. And we need that energy right now because. I'm, I'm telling you, the, the way that we think about it, every single one of us parents, we need someone to put both of their hands up and say, "What? this is about you again. Yeah, okay. Right? Okay. So somebody listening. Right. Yeah. First, let me just answer. Let me say one thing. Okay, first of all, let me say this. Okay, two things. Okay, number one, have you read the book Atomic Habits? Yes. Okay, well, there's a reference. I don't want to take credit for this, but there's a reference, you know, that resonates with me about the law of physics, right? Where the principle of least action, it states that like the path that is followed by any two points will always be the path that requires the least amount of energy, right? Mm -hmm. The truth is, is that most of our kids are motivated to be lazy because it conserves energy. Mm -hmm. I have a child who's not very motivated to be lazy, but the truth is, is the vast, he's outside the norm that, that, that is actually the vast majority of people. Our brain is wired that way, according to James Clear. And Mm -hmm. that makes sense to me, right? So our kids are lazy. They don't want to do things that they're not motivated to do because, Things that aren't fun aren't sometimes motivating, right? Right. So I'm not sure if this is answering the question of the parent on Instagram, but I just want us to not wait for our kids to be motivated to do things that need to be done. And sometimes we don't have to want them to join a club. Sometimes we can teach that skill in daily life, like chores and things that they do around the house. That's a beautiful way to teach a kid. Yes, I recognize emptying the dishwasher is mind numbing, and we're also going to still do that. Right. Practicing those skills in other places than asking them to join a club that may not really be 
who they are or what they want to do. That might not be their goal. So as a parent, you have an apathetic high schooler who is not motivated to do maybe the more traditional thing. There, You still, though, as a parent should be assigning chores and stuff like this. But should you be saying, okay, well, go get, go find a job, go bag groceries, go like you, they, you still need to push them, right? You need to get, if it's physics, you need to kind of like get the object Uh, in motion. the, The image that I have is just every parent saying, get up off of that couch playing video games. I think that's probably the most frequent one. Like just get out of this habit that you have right now that is total. Right. Um, well, inactive. listen, that's a whole other podcast. I mean, that's a boundary issue, right? Like us deciding what we're going to let our kids do when they want to do what they want to do is a boundary issue. But the truth is, is that I just want the, the, and I'm not judging this, but in a way, I just want to create reflection that when we call our kids apathetic, we're creating a judgment. It's there's no curiosity in that. Why is my child not engaged in these activities is better is just a much more elevated question. Why is my child not interested? Do they have social anxiety? Are they depressed? Are they have they not found something that really floats their boat? Are there am I asking them to do something that's so out of alignment with what they're interested in? Are they insecure? Are they being bullied? Gosh, there's so many smarter questions to ask than why is my kid just lazy? That's a really good point. You know, I mean, does that so an apathetic child, I want to hear more about this. You think that that's just someone, there's something going on that we're not aware of, maybe. Well, there's no way we're going to find out if we've already made the decision that the reason they're yeah. not doing what we think they should do is coming from apathy. Um, okay. So I will offer this that my first, my 13-year-old, he's adorable, and he's like a very typical 13-year-old. I think... Um, there's definitely a pre-pandemic child and then there's like a post-pandemic version of this child. And he, honestly, if I told him online school was an option, he would love that. He, he, he did great on online school. He loved it, which is, it was, it was strange for me. So he's not super excited to go back to school. I'll say that. Um, and he does, there are things he enjoys but even those things we need to offer like, okay, buddy, this is where you're, where you're going today. And then he always has fun once he's there. Like we signed him up for a, in the spring, he's like, yeah, I'll do this. Like he heard about an improv comedy camp. So I signed him up and once it was time to go, he's like, so I guess we're one of those families where you force me to do things, huh? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like you said, you wanted to do this. So I had paid for it. So I'm like, no, you're going to go. You're going to go. It's one week. It's, he ended up loving it. But I was literally, yeah. I was literally pushing him in the door. So you're saying like, is, did I cross a boundary there by, you know, saying like, yes, you're doing this, but I know he's going to like it in the outcome. You know what I mean? Well, you don't really know, but looking where our kids' strengths are and providing them with opportunities, should we have the privilege to be able to do that, is always a way to sort of push them outside their comfort zone and then pay attention to what's happening when they go. I don't think that's a boundary issue. But what Penn alluded to was this idea that we want to get our kids up off the couch and they're choosing video games and social media, which is literally designed to keep our our focus. I mean, and and then blaming them for being lazy or apathetic is just not reasonable. I mean, it's they're living in a time where like i mean all of us are on our phones at night or doing things at times when we don't want to be doing so it's it's just not a reasonable expectation we, we got, have to set boundaries in that way we got so many questions on this line the next one was how should i encourage extracurricular activities for my homebody kids so <laughs> so can do you have some practical advice because it sounds like this is um a theme here 
Well, the first question, again, I don't mean to be a dead horse, but like, why do you want them to have extracurricular activities, right? Is that because you think it's something that's important for you? You want it to look good on a college application? You want to make sure that they're getting physical activity? Like, I mean, the why is really important, right? Because yeah. you're you're less likely to pick a, an option for a child, right? That's appropriate if you have an agenda that's outside of what. So I want them to get exercise. I know that it'll, it, so so I want them to do something after school to get out of the house and get exercise. That's reason enough, right? Yeah, that can be totally reason enough, but it doesn't have to be that they have to join a sport. These are the options. We're going to pick a couple of things. You get to choose which one of those that is. You can take a walk on your and and listen to a fabulous book that you like. You can join a running club and be by yourself. You can play pickleball with Ken and Kim. <laughs> you can do, you know, you can, these are the choices. I don't want to do it, but that's not a choice. You have to do something. And so I'd really like for you to be able to choose something that feels good for you. And then what we don't like about that, we'll decide what we're going to do next. Like we're just going to take that as information as opposed to just carte blanche saying you have to join a soccer because you're good at it or because I think it would look good is a very different why. But okay. getting physical activity is part of like the way we show up in a healthy way in the world. And so that why is just why we don't eat Chick-fil-A every day, although it's quite good. It's delicious. Yes. And so again, this is like a very specific question, how to walk the line between helping teens get things done and micromanaging. That's a great question. Yeah. So micromanaging usually comes from a thought that we believe that they can't do it the way that we want them to be doing it. <laughs> My way is the only way, Hope. That's right. I mean, it's obviously the best way. It's obviously right? the best way. And so it really depends on what the thing is we're wanting them to do. But the truth is, is that our kids have to develop the skills. They have to build the skills to learn work ethic, to be able to do things well. They have to get the feedback on why it's not getting done perfectly. And most of that, let me say that differently, like a lot of us micromanage because we're afraid our kids are going to fail at the task we're asking them to do. Yeah. If we're willing to accept that them doing it imperfectly is part of the growth and the process, then we don't have to micromanage it. We just have to boundary it, which would look like you cannot go to you know, like going and doing X, Y, and Z is not going to be possible until your room is clean. And then we also would be really clear on what our expectations are around the task so that they can achieve it correctly or that go back and do it again. We just spend a lot of time being mad at our kids that they don't have an executive function that we haven't adequately taught them. And then we're like, they should know that clean the room means X, Y, and Z. When parents come to me in coaching and ask me, um, I tell my kid to clean the room. I'll say, well, what does that mean? Like, do they have to scrub the baseboards? Do the clothes have to be off the floor? Like, they're not specific with their kids on what the actual action is that they need. There are obviously some kids who are better at executive functioning than others. And there are some adults that are better at executive mm -hmm. functioning than others. It's, yeah. the, it's the benchmark of ADHD, right? For those of you who, yes. who don't know it, that's it. It's basically an executive functioning difference. They should probably change the name. Is there an age when kids who don't have ADHD start to figure out ex executive functioning? Or are there, I mean, are kids just generally bad at that, I guess is what I'm wondering. Kids are generally bad at Got that. Got it, yeah. So most people, executive functioning comes from um, your the ability of your frontal lobe, which is in the forefront of your brain, to really be able to do planning and think through tasks farther than just what's immediate 
for you. Okay. And so for some kids that comes really naturally and others, it doesn't. But the truth is, is that your frontal lobe is not well developed until close to 26, which is why teenagers do so many things that are impulsive and poorly thought out. And so we spend a lot of time being mad at our kids for just being kids. You know, they don't have those skill sets. That doesn't mean that we don't teach them, but when we're shooting all over them and expecting them that they should be able to do certain things, we're not the kind of teachers that allow them to learn it at the pace that they need. We're not curious. We're not patient. We insert shame. We punish. And we're really asking them many times to do skill set that is not obvious to them. I will say that our daughter was taught a lot of, you know, studying organization habits for school in school. During that time when that was really hit home in school, our son was here because of COVID and we didn't teach it. So when he goes yeah. into middle school and I'm like, gosh, yeah. dude, your folders are a mess, whatever. Like, and he, he's, it was last year he had a test and I was looking through his folder because he didn't know he had a test. And I was like, how do you not know this stuff? And then I was like, oh, he never learned it in school. And we had, the school just kind of checked the box for us. We never taught it. And so that's when I had to give him some grace. I'm like, he actually does yeah. not know how to do this. And yes, I thought that maybe like just putting paper inside of a folder would be like the most basic thing, but he, he just put, yeah, he just didn't know how to organize yeah. that stuff. Yeah. So that's so good. And listen, just for your listeners, like that thought is optional for all your parents right now. It's like whether we think our kids should be able to do something or not, whether there's a pandemic or not, whether they're a certain age and all your other kids' friends can do it, if your child isn't executing it, they they don't probably know how. And so whether we like that or not is irrelevant. It's just that we can't teach them unless we're willing to accept that if they're not doing it, it's a skill they still need to build, period. And that is our job, whether we're annoyed about it or not. <laughs> I feel like we need to get a kitchen magnet that just has like Dr. Hope and it's got a picture of Dr. Hope and she's holding up two hands. Yep. She's like, come on. And then there's, and there's three things on that kitchen magnet that are little pointers for parents to look at before the school year starts. Okay. I mean, I think we could sell this for like a lot of money. You're going to have a merch line. Or we could just give it to people for free right now, which (laughs) I love as well. If you had to have three things to put on that kitchen magnet, little cues and tips for parents, what would they be? Questions to ask. Would it be, is that a, is that a you problem or is that a them problem? Or is it, yeah. Yeah. What are the, what are the three things that you see the most from parents that we just need to remember when we are parenting a child in school? Well, let me first say that a more productive way to parent your children during this time is to take responsibility for the parts of your parenting that are behaviors that you can control. Yes. Okay, we spend so much time trying to control other people, and then we're not showing up as parents as consistent with our own executive functioning. We're like, you know, adequately handling our own schedules, managing our own feelings, showing our kids how we are upset about things, how we emote. Like, so many parents are like, I'll take care of me later. And so, putting our oxygen masks on first and recognizing that when we model that stuff as parents, there's probably no better way to teach our kids to me is probably the the very biggest highest priority so be aware Um, of your own behavior and your and your own decisions when doing this yes okay um the second thing that a question to ask yourself as a parent when you're frustrated is what am i trying to teach Mm. we forget that life skills can't 
be taught. They have to be experienced. And when our kid is having a moment, like, are you trying to teach your kids that getting an A is the most important thing in life? Mm -hmm. Because if that's not what you're trying to teach and that's how you're parenting, you just want to get yourself in check about that. Mm. That's a good one. In this moment, what do I want to be teaching? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, I think really helps you access your own frontal lobe to have some sort of like logical plan about what that means. I don't want to teach them anything. That's why I sent them off to school. <laughs> Stop it. That's exactly right. Well, yeah, that's my strategy. <laughs> and, and then, you know, because like if you're thinking like, what does an adult being an adult mean to you and how do you teach that? Right. Like that's a totally different next level. Mm-hmm. And I guess the second thing is that, uh, I mean, the third thing I'll say is that there's this idea that a lot of us as parents have this, and this is sort of similar, um, what I call kind of magical parenting. Like we're wishing for something in our children and not telling ourselves the truth that we're not doing our part. It's like we all, we want our kids to eat well, but we really don't want to hold a boundary that they have to eat a certain kind of food and we buy a whole lot of garbage. Or we want our kids to be really independent and then when they're not doing well, we advocate for them. Like Mm -hmm. we just have to really be responsible that we're sometimes getting in the way of our kids' success and question that Mm -hmm. as well. Does that make sense? Yes. I think I got the magnet. I think number one is, is sort of how is my behavior and my preferences of like, am I, am I putting that in front of theirs? I think that was number one. Number two is what am I really trying to teach right now? And then, Number three is what was number three? Shoot, I'm, I'm trying to the magnet. It's almost there. The magnet was good. Well, I don't think the magical parenting one will fit on the magnet, but maybe the one that we could put on the magnet would be is that um, struggle produces growth. Yes, there you go. We've got the magnet. Like stuttering here. <laughs> there we go. With yeah, the hands. Yep. Okay, with the hands. I amen to the magnet. Hope you have your own merch line now. We're going to make T-shirts. It's going to be great. I do know struggle produces growth. At what point, and I think uh, just in our house, our kids have done a great job with disappointment, like all the things, they get sad, they have appropriate, so far, they have appropriate reactions to that, they recover from it, It's they're doing great, A+. plus. But there is a time, like what should we be looking out for when the struggle, when it gets too much, like at what point do we start to worry, like when it gets a little more serious? Is the struggle too much for the parent or for the kid? For the kid. Good. Like, what does it oh. look like when the kid is in need of some intervention? Oh, that's a good question. So, yeah, I don't want to in any way give parents the idea that our kids having, um, you know, struggle is always just something to push through. Like, there's definitely <sighs> situations where we really want to be attentive to our kids' need in a way that might need more support than just saying, let's just be grateful for how difficult this was, right? right. Which is <laughs> always land on adults really well, right? right? But To me, the most important way is to see how your kid is moving through discomfort, right? How they're moving through struggle. Do they sit in the, in the sadness for a period of time that doesn't feel, is it feel inappropriate for the situation? Are they withdrawing from things that they typically would want to do? Like, no matter what, we know our kids better than anybody. Mm-hmm. And so when your kid is acting out of character for who you know them to be, you know, just noticing if their coping strategies are not adequate, sometimes getting some support from a therapist or a coach or someone can be really helpful to give them a different perspective and to develop kind of a toolbox on how to handle that. 
But many parents jump in too quickly Mm -hmm. to rescue kids from that moment because the pain is so, like you have said many times, Cam, is so difficult for us. And so really pausing and just saying like, is this something that I'm really not handling well? Is my kid crying? Are they talking to me about it? Are they journaling about it? Are they listening to music that, you know, matches their mood? Like places where they're really getting their feelings out doesn't always have to be a problem. When they're cutting, when they're um, smoking pot, when they're um, withdrawing from friends, when their grades are dropping, those are really better metrics to decide if their coping strategies are optimal. Coping, tra- so sitting in the sadness, coping strategies, by the way, I suck at all those things. I was going to say, I, I'm um, expecting I, my kids I'm, to do this. I'm not a good example. And I don't do I it. I don't sit in the <laughs> sadness very well at all. And yeah. I've learned that my brain has a lot to do with that. Like it's just, uh, it just re- re- rebounds quickly. But uh, like you said, for an appropriate amount of time, is it, it, there's no actual amount. It's not 30 minutes or an hour or a day. It's just getting through it, right? It's it's using using healthy methods of, of coping to get through it. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I think about it always in the context of grief. It's like, we don't try and rush grief. We don't always have to rush sadness. If your child's upset about something that is an appropriate thing to be upset about, like if they don't get on a team or they don't get into the college they want, or they don't get into whatever, you know, get something like that's a very appropriate emotional response. Like allowing them to process that all the way through is the way that they develop resilience. It's the way that they believe that they can have self-efficacy and, 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 and survive failures moving forward. And so the, how consistent their response is to what the actual insult is, is also a really good way to, to decide, but there's no rush to feeling better. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes feelings just have to be felt. And to your point, if you guys don't really do that well, either noticing that that's your discomfort, which I said earlier, is really the place to start. Why am I feeling so sad about this? I have to say something in our parenting journey that I, I have I have changed based on feedback from you, Hope, is when I'm having a hard day or if I'm having a sad day or if something's really stressful, I actually say it out loud yeah, so that so I think or before then I would have been like, yeah, today was hard, but I got through it and everything's great. And here we go. And let's get cookies. And like I was trying to present this like if you work hard, you'll get through it kind of attitude when in reality, that's not true. So now I say, you know, my kids are so sweet. And I think it's just a generic question that they throw out, you know, after school, like, how was your day? Like, you know, it was really hard. I went through some hard stuff today. I'm going to be fine, but I'm kind of just trying to sit in this right now. And I'm even just saying it out loud, even when I'm not doing a good job at it. And I had a bad day last week and Lola's <laughs> her reaction. She's like, I think this means we need cookies. I'm like, you're right. I've taught you well. The bad days equal cookies. So great. This is I'm setting good examples. <laughs> oh, this is the best news. Let me tell you the best news, Kim, is that. Adolescents, by default, their emotional authenticity is on display all the time. Mm -hmm. They actually prefer, and we call that bad behavior or disrespect or yelling at us or slamming doors, like they actually want to emote. And society and in our parenting, we sometimes will choose to see that as something that's unacceptable as opposed to evidence that they are actually expressing their feelings. We just don't like it. 
And so we shut it down. And so uh, another really good point that you made me think about is, is that when our kids' behavior looks bad, and I'm putting quotes up, you know, or when it looks disrespectful, considering that it is just a poor way that they're emoting Mm -hmm. is a really brilliant way to help them figure out a better vernacular or language to express how they're feeling, which kids do need. We don't want them showing up in adulthood when we're trying to figure out what we're trying to teach. We don't want them showing up in adulthood with that strategy. You, yeah, I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. Oh, because uh, I'm in my 40s and I can say today was hard. I got yeah. some upsetting news and I can say that. But if I were 13, it may come off as slamming a door. Yes. Yeah. Like pushing the buttons of the, you know, of a parent. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you just said the word vernacular and then I went down uh, just uh, here's where my brain went. <laughs> I, I taught my daughter the difference yesterday between vernacular and colloquialism, which was a lot of fun. And she wrote it down and she went upstairs because she's the hardest working person. I know she works harder than me um, because she's getting ready for an AP class and also for the S.A.T. Mm. We, oh, have, no. we, have, we have not come to you with S.A.T. <laughs> yet. Many schools have decided that they don't even want the. Why are you saying it like SA, that? Because it's terrifying. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, many schools. Well, have that's been, a great energy to bring into your parenting. I, well, I'm not. I'm not doing. I'm not doing it down there. I'm just doing it right here with you. Just very briefly. I guess I'm just wondering. Um, what is what? What 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 is you? What do you? How do we do? What do you? What do you do? Like, what's how as a parent am I going to be most supportive around my child when it comes to this standardized test that uh, I, doesn't I think, need anything? I, well, it does. I'm guessing that it has uh, produced some stress in some of your sessions. I don't know that you need to add or take away from any of the stress she's going to feel. To your point at the beginning of yeah. our conversation, society puts that on them yeah. plenty. You know, yeah. I mean, it, it if. I just want you to be aware that you have a lot of drama about it in your own head, which there's no way your kid's not going to pick up on. So what you don't need to do is support your kid differently. You need to support your brain differently and think about the test in a different way. Because if you see this as the most important part of her getting what she wants. I don't think it is, but I know that she thinks it is. Well, she has a lot of evidence that 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 might be true. And again, that. Don't get me started on that being a whole nother. Oh, no, no, I, I want to get you started. No, Start. Well, well, in our no, house, I, I took the, I, and you can tell your kids if you're listening to this, I took the SAT like the most times any human's ever taken it. And my Ooh. score only went up by, I think, 10 points. And it was a fine, it was fine. I got into college. It was fine. But I have PTSD from it. So I told Lilanadi, yeah. I'm like, these, if it's still optional, don't take it. Just don't take yeah. it. I think it's not yeah. worth it. And it's not, and it's not a good judge of like, okay, listen to this. I got a fine score. I got into a good school. I was buckled down type A, straight A student. This guy <laughs> took it and got an embarrassingly high score the first time he took it. Okay. Yeah. Like the kind of score that people pay a lot of money to coaches to get. He got the first time he took it. And then he got on, he was like an academic probation two years later at UVA. So it's like, Oh my God, you love that story. So well, I'm just saying like, it's not a good judge. (laughs) It's not a good judge. I I agree that it's not a good judge, but you just, you just said that you're not, you're, you you don't really care about this. So to me, anytime I see my daughter do a lot of hard work on something really hard work, I want her to, I, I want it to pay off because I want. Right, but that's because you're using the outcome as the payoff. I know. If you were using the yep. process as the payoff, you would not have that goal. Well, and I've said so, that before to her. I've said like you like seeing this. I don't care what you get on your AP test. Seeing how hard you worked on it is what means a lot to me. But the SAT is different. I don't know why. 
It's not different. And more importantly, who she's becoming in the process is the kind of person someone's going to want to hire someday, right? So the character traits that she's building and the ones that she already has naturally from both of your gene pool of being a hard worker and resilient and working until she gets what she wants, like being willing to fail, recognizing that she's imperfect, like thinking about the people that you even hire in your own business about, I mean, none of them, you're like, how is your SAT score? Oh my God. No, I've never, the things that we value ever. No one even knows. That's right. And I'm never thinking, God, Penn must have gotten an amazing SAT score when you come up with some (laughs) hilarious song. Like it never even dawns on me. And so, you know, I just don't think that as parents, we have to buy into that narrative. I mean, we can recognize that it is a truth, that it matters in the sense that there are some schools that are going to make a decision about whether they can come there based on that metric. And then we can just acknowledge that true and decide that how we want to think about it. And we can decide that's disappointing or we can decide it's not the right school for them. Either way, we don't get to choose that circumstance. We just get to choose how we teach our kids to think about the growth that they experienced when they were, I mean, when w- when they were working hard. That's good. Thank you. And I, I'm going to try to take that advice. Kim, should we get her started? I'm she right. said, she said, don't get me started about the SAT. I well, want, I no, want to, don't get me started. I want to get her started. Like, how about like, you, you want 30 seconds on the SAT? Your thoughts? <laughs> she no, just, no, no, I don't. No. I don't. Oh, darn it. Okay. Uh, we have so, it's so funny. The questions we got on Instagram are either how do we help our child with the stress and, and anxiety of school? Yeah. And then the other, the other half are, and I'm just reading like, how do you, how do you push an underachiever? I'm using air quotes. These are their words to rise to their potential in a positive, healthy way without shame. So it's either how do I pull back, pull a kid back or how do I push a kid? So it, it is, it is fascinating that this is, and we're feeling it in, you know, in small ways and kind of in the middle in our house too. So, yeah. but, but what you're saying overall is just get curious and ask the questions about, yeah. What, yeah. Yes. And usually Kim, when we're asking, I said this on one of my Instagrams a long time ago, but like usually when we're asking how to get our kids to meet their potential, what we usually mean is how do I get my children to meet my expectations? Mm-hmm. Right. Which right. is very different. We don't know someone else's potential. That's not something we can create for somebody else, right? Our job as parents is to provide, as you are with your son, opportunities for them to discover things about themselves, to be the soil where they figure out what that potential looks like. But but um, someone else's potential is theirs to discover. And when we're in the way, we're deciding ahead of time, sometimes with judgment and many times with shame, that they're not meeting what we expect of them. And that is never a place where kids are going to find what they're good at. And it's, I think the hardest part of parenting for me has always been watching my kids in small ways, like our kids are 13 and 16. So there's not been huge, huge choices. But when I see them make choices that I wouldn't make, you, at this point, it's choosing classes or sports or, or or friend groups. It's so it's not you know huge dire consequences. But I know as they become adults, it's going to get they're going to make bigger decisions, and I'm just got to keep my oh. mouth shut. <laughs> so yeah, hopefully, yeah. Um, hopefully. And and you gave a great analogy at one point. I don't know if it's like in a session we had or in a, our podcast where like you were you're planting a seed and you were expecting a sunflower when it came out a tomato. Like that's what parenting is. <laughs> Yes. You're like, what do I do with this tomato? I'm a sunflower. How do I how do I take care of a tomato? 
That's exactly right. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, I just I think we have this idea that we know we know what's best for our kids, and I just think parents should really question that. Mm. But hope I do know yeah. it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. glad to see this session has been so fruitful. <laughs> Um, <laughs> okay, where can people find yeah. you? By, by the way, I, I ran into a woman on a walk and she was listening to an audiobook I had also listened to. And she said, you know, I think I'm going to call this parenting coach. Her name is Dr. Hope something. Yes. I was like, I know who she is. Yeah. So I know you're busy, but how can people get in touch with you? Oh, I, um, well, I'm on Instagram at Parent with Hope and Facebook as well, but I coach parents one-on-one all the time through so many of the things we've talked about and a million more. And parents can reach me um, on my website at uh, parentwithhope.com, mm-hmm. or they can shoot me an email at parentwithhope at gmail.com, and I personally will respond back and we'll set up a connection to see if it's a good fit to help support them. Well, it is always a pleasure having you on. Uh, Not only do you give us incredibly specific, actionable advice, but we always screw it up and then we can have you back, which is great content for the podcast because we're never going to get this perfect. It's great. It's, it's, it's an, it's just a never ending uh, conversation because, because Dr. Hope, it changes every year. Like we're talking about different stuff this year than we were talking about last year. And apparently, because you have, you know, you have adult children now out of the nest and apparently that is really hard too. <laughs> yes. What? No, we're done. I was like, you're no. not done. You don't stop worrying about them when they hit they move out of the they, house. They don't go to college and the they're like it's it it's, would be like you taking your bra off. Oh, I it's know. Just, you're like, I'm it's done. just over. Yeah. No. It's the taking your bra off of parenting <laughs> no, is when your kids go to college. It's not that- I am going to use that is like the richest. I love that so well, much. Thank you. Yeah, but That's apparently right. you st- according to my mother, she still worries about me. I'm like, "What? No, you don't have to do that." But apparently you do. Apparently forever. Apparently we are stuck with worrying about them forever. Yeah. Well, I just stopped <laughs> waiting to do it right and just started just trying to do my very best all the time and that just takes a lot of pressure off. I mean, the truth is is that it's always laying whack-a-mole, so you just have to be curious, pay attention, and not put so much pressure on yourselves that there's only one way for it to end up being right. Because um, it's just not true. Just and true. it gives our kids the freedom to grow into whether they're going to be a tomato or not. Okay. <laughs> um, well, happy tomatoes, happy salads, everybody. And thank you, Dr. Hope. Anytime. I love seeing both of you so much. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.